Wake up. It's the Sleep Unplugged Podcast, Episode 80, Weight Training and Sleep. Keep on lifting. Welcome, everyone, to the Sleep Unplugged Podcast. My name is Chris Winter. I'm a neurologist and sleep specialist and your host for the final episode of 2023. By the time you're listening to this episode, Happy New Year. It will be 2024 because the episode drops at midnight. So this will be the first episode of 2024, the last episode I record of 2023. And it's episode 80. That's big. That's a big milestone. It seems like that's a high number for us. So again, if you're new to the Sleep Unplugged podcast, welcome. If you're a veteran of the podcast, welcome back. We're glad you're here with us at the beginning of what we hope to be a fantastic new year. I'm excited for this topic. It came to me because during vacation, all of my children are coming back to see, see us and, and spend the holidays with us. And something that is very much on their minds is getting into the gym. Dad, do you have a gym membership. When we come home, we'll be able to go to the gym. Like what's the gym situation going to be like? Because we spend some of our time in Sarasota, Florida, some of our time in Charlottesville, Virginia, and we were going to spend this Christmas for the first time in Sarasota. So there was a lot of talk about what gym we'll be, we'll be going to because we've never come to Sarasota and spent Christmas before with the family. So I'm wearing my Crunch t-shirt. I got a gym membership at Crunch and really appreciate the find people there, including Justin uh, Cortez, who uh, was giving my boys some tips on squatting the other day. And so we were in the gym and this is something I like to do with my sons. It's sort of a, a thing we kind of share together, a way to bond. And I thought this would be a great episode because my youngest son said, Ooh, get ready, dad, because after the ball drops, it's going to be a whole new scene in this gym because everybody's going to show up and want to be here. And I thought, well, that's great. I don't have a problem with a, a full gym. I, I love to see people in there working out, taking care of their bodies, learning about proper ways to stay fit. And I thought, what a great episode idea. We could do an episode about weight training, specifically going to the gym and working out with weights and what relationship that has with sleep. So that's the premise of the show today, and I think it's going to be a fun one. Uh, before we get going, comments, corrections, criticisms, I had a lot of really positive feedback last week about our award show. Heard from, I think, pretty much all the award recipients, and we're really excited to honor them. And just give me a little time to, uh, the holidays have been busy. I'm going to get your awards out to you as soon as possible. A lot of deserving people there. So the comment, the listener comment comes from Nathan. Nathan wrote me and said, hello, Dr. Winner. I recently listened to episode seven of the Sleep Unplugged podcast and thought it applied very well to a friend of mine. So uh, Nathan is listening way back to episode seven, why no one cares your child is sleepy and, and talk about sort of how individuals who complain and struggle with sleep a lot Sometimes that complaint tends to fall on deaf ears. And, and Nathan said, look, I think he might have something going on here. Since the age of seven, my friend has had sleep problems. He constantly feels sleepy, has an incredible amount of sleep inertia. 
He also has diagnosed depression and ADHD, I believe, as well. I sent him the podcast to see if he thought your explanations lined up with his experiences, and he pointed out that he feels it doesn't align at all with his struggles because one of his largest problems is the inability to fall asleep. So basically, I appreciate listening, Nathan. I also really appreciate the fact that you're listening to the podcast and thinking, well, this episode, episode seven, doesn't necessarily apply to me, but I think it might apply to my friend. And what's really interesting when you think about episode seven, and then later on, we did episodes about narcolepsy. I'm trying, that was episode 26. One of the interesting things about narcolepsy and the situation we have with Nathan is Nathan is looking at his friend and thinking, wow, this guy is super sleepy, hard to wake up, lots of sleep inertia. There's just something going on here. Yet when the friend thinks about himself, he's like, I don't have that problem. My problem is I can't fall asleep, which I'm guessing Nathan is thinking, no, that's not at all your problem. <laughs> You're always sleeping. So maybe Nathan, step number two for your friend is to listen to episode 26, because one of the things that you find in individuals who have narcolepsy is a strange ability for them to speak out of both sides of their mouth. I cannot fall asleep. I cannot wake up. And now we start getting into situations that can be extremely confusing, even for sleep physicians, where the complaints that somebody is bringing up may not necessarily line up with what you're seeing. So Nathan, I appreciate, hopefully other episodes of the podcast might help your friend. Um, I think your friend would be well served talking to a sleep specialist in your area. And I think you're down in the the North Carolina Chapel Hill area. And uh, that's the place where I did my sleep fellowship. There are some fantastic sleep people down in that near neck of the woods. So for our music today, um, we could have gone a lot of directions. We had just done Dire Straits not too long ago. Um, and I thought about the man's uh, the man's too strong. I think is the the name of the, the song, which is a really interesting one. Um, Got to carry that weight by the Beatles it was was an obvious choice. The weight by the band is one of my favorite songs. Even though the weight is never talked about in the song, it's always the load. So I went with "Keep on Lifting," which is a Jackie Wilson song. Uh, from his 1967 album, Higher and Higher, is initially released as a single, as things were typically, and the single did fantastic. It was you, uh, number one R&B song, and, you know, high on the Hot 100. Uh, one of the most popular and successful songs that Jackie Wilson ever recorded. And the song's fine. It's an okay song. It, it gets sort of overplayed. It's always, it's one of the, it's what I call a montage song that romantic comedy where there's been the mix up and now one of the partners is headed to the airport to fly far, far away. And there's the car chase and running through traffic and trying to get to the airport to get to the person before they get on the plane. This is one of those kinds of songs that's always playing in the background, which, which kind of annoys me. Uh, Steve Winwood, what's the dun, 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 you know, that, that song is another one that, that seemed to creep into those kinds of things all the time. But anyway, uh, your Love Keeps Lifting Me, in parentheses, Higher and Higher is the name of the song, released in 67. Um, it was actually written by Gary Jackson and Carl Smith. 
Um, huge song for Jackie Wilson, who I'm really excited to feature on Sleep Unplugged podcast, uh, dubbed Mr. Excitement because his stage performance was just otherworldly. When Michael Jackson accepted the Grammy for Thriller, he actually sort of accepted it as an homage to Jackie Wilson because he said, look, without this guy, this guy was the entertainer. He was everything that you're celebrating me for today. And I wouldn't be here if, if not for you. Um, Jackie Wilson had a massive heart attack while performing one of his most popular songs, Lonely Teardrops, in 1975 when he was on Dick Clark's show. In fact, he was singing the line, it's, it's, say you will, say you will, my heart is crying, crying. And when he said, my heart is crying, he collapsed. And Dick Clark knew immediately something was wrong. They stopped the show and he had had this massive heart attack. And what's really tragic is that Jackie Wilson had said, look, one of the things that makes my performances really popular is when I sweat. And so he would take salt tablets and drink lots of water right before he went on stage to make himself sweat more. And some people thought this may have contributed to the massive heart attack that he had. Unfortunately, he didn't die, but he was in sort of a coma, minimally responsive state for years. I mean, the, the heart attack happened in 75, didn't die until 84 and was basically hospitalized pretty much that entire time. It was a really, really hard for Elvis Presley, who felt very close to him. In fact, somebody had called Jackie Wilson one time the Black Elvis. And when Elvis heard that, he was like, if Jackie Wilson is the Black Elvis, then I'm the white Jackie Wilson. He said, you know, Jackie Wilson set the stage for all of this, even though Jackie Wilson in the interview said, you know, Elvis gets a bad rap for copying our culture and our dance moves and our signature style. When in fact, most of us are copying Elvis, which was an interesting comment that he made. So it was a lot of love between the two. Elvis paid for a lot of Jackie Wilson's medical bills. I was always a huge so fan of the Commodore song um, Night Shift that was recorded after Lionel Richie left, I think in 84, um, actually 85. And it was about Marvin Gaye and Jackie Wilson, all these great little subtle references to Marvin Gaye. Marvin sang of the joy and pain. Joy was his final so a single before he died. Uh, say you will tell it, you know, what's going on. Of course, that's referencing Marvin Gaye's song. But in the court, the, the verses about Jackie Wilson, there's a line that says, your love was lifting us higher and higher, which is referencing this massive um, hit for Jackie Wilson. And I'm also a huge fan of the Hozier song, Jackie uh, Jackie and Wilson. So he's talking about having kids and we're going to name them Jackie and Wilson and raise them on rhythm and blues. So anyway, a little too much on Jackie Wilson, but he deserves every bit of those accolades. So let's get into the gym and weightlifting. And you're, lift, you're listening to the Spotify playlist Sleep Unplugged Spotify playlist in the gym, volume one or volume two, whichever one gets you more pumped up. Is there benefits to your sleep for going to the gym? You know, the average gym goer in the United States goes twice a week. The end January, as my son guessed, is absolutely the busiest month for memberships. I think they get something like 15% of all their memberships for the entire year, just in the, the, the month of January. And of those individuals who buy memberships, about two thirds of them 
apparently never use them statistically. Morning is the busiest time and the average individual is spending about an hour in the gym every day. So what's going on if an individual is lifting weights? Is it improving their sleep? You know, a lot of the research that we talk about, we've talked about actually on this podcast is really looking at the opposite. What does your sleep do to your ability to be an elite athlete, lift a lot of weights, run fast, react quickly? And we know that sleep loss can absolutely affect your gains in the gym. So we've talked a lot about this show about if you're somebody who really cares about what's happening in the gym, you're trying to get fast, you're trying to get strong, you're trying to lose weight, you're trying to do all, you have all these health goals for yourself, you are not going to reach them if you're not getting enough sleep. So getting up early and sacrificing sleep in order to get to the gym really doesn't make a lot of sense. Um, it's buying a car, but not really having the money for gasoline. I mean, it just, you, you've got a car, but you're not doing what you need to do to make it go. And, and sleep is really all about not only the gains that you have in a gym, but your ability to recover from the natural tearing down process that's happening in a gym. We, we are sort of tearing our body down a little bit in order to rebuild it bigger and stronger. And that process is absolutely facilitated by sleep. And we, we've known this in 1994, there was a study called the effect of partial sleep deprivation on weightlifting performance. They looked at eight men, so a small study. And I think one night they, they were getting three hours of sleep for three successive nights in a four day period with normal sleep. And they were looking at what happened with their different lifts. And I'll read from the study. The weightlifting task consisted of bicep curl, bench press, leg press, and deadlift. And in the study, there was no effect on bicep curl. So getting your three hours of sleep for three successive days didn't really seem to impact an ability to your, your maximal bicep curl. But a significant effect was noted on maximal bench press, leg press, and deadlift. So I think the bottom line with this study is let's ignore the bicep curl and focus on the fact that if you're not getting an adequate amount of sleep, you will start losing strength. And there was another study that showed your bench press dropped by 20 pounds after three days of restricted sleep or something like that might have been the same study. So I, I think that, that that relationship is is pretty strong. And they actually I've looked at it in subsequent studies as well, too. So I think that most elite athletes understand that sleep is essential for being at your best in terms of strength. In 1997, there was a study, a randomized controlled trial of the effect of exercise on sleep. So this was a forward stepwise multiple regression where they were looking at individuals and the sleep score was the Pittsburgh Sleep Quality Index, the PSQI. And in conclusion, weightlifting exercise was effective in improving the subjective quality of people's sleep, improved their mood and depression, their actual strength and quality of life without significantly changing other habitual activities. So sleep all by itself was responsible for improving strength as well as other things like mood and the way people felt about their sleep. So I, you know, when you go around a gym or you go around places where people are really serious about exercising, you tend to see a lot of people who feel like it is a essential ingredient for their ability to sleep well. 
2011, there was a study by Sean Youngstead, who we've talked about in other uh, studies as well, too, about sleep and elite athleticism. That was called the Effective Exercise Training on Obstructive Sleep Apnea and Sleep Quality, a randomized control study. This was a randomized control trial. It was 12 weeks and showed that exercise training tended to reduce AHI or sleep apnea indices, the severity of somebody's sleep apnea in individuals who were sedentary and obese. So as a clinician, I see a lot of patients who have sleep apnea. It is the sleep clinician, the sleep doctor's bread and butter. You know, if you were talking to a sleep doctor who said, look, we see all comers and you ask them, what do you see the most of? And they don't say sleep apnea, something, something's wrong. <laughs> there, there is a problem in that lab, I think, because sleep apnea is very prevalent. A lot of people have sleep apnea. A lot of adults have sleep apnea. So if we're talking about adults who are not particularly active, are not going to the gym, do not have their membership at Equinox Gym in New York City, which is another gym I'm really, really keen on, uh, that do a great job of linking the exercise they do with the health and sleep of their patrons, then I think that, that this is a great way to move forward in terms of improving our sleep and sleep quality and sleep health at a gym, getting it, that gym membership, going to the gym twice a week, which is the average, is going to improve an individual's sleep and could actually impact your sleep apnea. And so episode five of this podcast was mild sleep apnea. We called it death by CPAP. And I think we, we deal with mild CPAP in really strange ways within the medical system. Somebody you know has four breathing problems per hour, their normal six breathing problems is mild sleep apnea. Okay, great. So what are we doing? We're doing a CPAP for everybody with mild CPAP. It's a sleep apnea, it seems like. Well, you could, I guess. But the other thing is, hey, yeah, we could put you, set you up on a CPAP for your six breathing problems per hour. But you say you don't exercise. You have a very sedentary life. Could I convince you to spend the money that maybe you were going to spend on the CPAP to get some sort of membership or join a running club or do something that gets you more active. Because there are studies like Young's did study that show that increased activity, that time spent in the gym could actually improve your sleep apnea. So we talk about mouth taping, we talk about all these you know, kind of out there things that sure, maybe they could help somebody with the sort of milder apnea and not have that. Yeah, I'm all for that airway and getting all that, you know, your nose open and you know all those good things but but a gym could do the same thing i mean the the benefits of the gym are not just trying to lose weight not just trying to look good for the summer season that's coming up but could actually be an improvement in terms of your ability to breathe and not have sleep apnea at night there's an interesting study that was done in 2020 where they looked at masters athletes in olympic weightlifting so they, they basically kind of profiled Olympic weightlifters, male and female, and tried to figure out a little bit about them and what their lives looked like being elite weight trainers versus average individuals. And of course, the, only, the thing that I was most interested in was sleep. And there was some mention about sleep in the study where they talked to them about sleep complaints. It was essentially, do you feel like you're, you, you sleep well or you don't? And 17.7% percent of the women said they had sleep problems, sleep disturbances versus 11% of the men. 
which if you think about it, to me, is on the surface, a low number. 11% of men who are elite bodybuilders are complaining of sleep disturbances, 17, call it 18% of women. That's lower than what I would consider to be the average adult man, adult woman who has sleep problems. I also think that it's very interesting because one of the downsides or one of the negatives that's often talked about with weight training is, well, yeah, but if you train and get really big and your neck gets really thick, like the linemen in the football games that are getting ready to be played, playoff football, college and pro, their big thick necks are going to cause them to have sleep apnea, which could very well be true. So you're looking at these elite weightlifters and their disturbances seem to be below that of normal, and yet they might have a higher chance of the normal of having something like sleep apnea because of the thickness of their necks and the, the builds potentially compromising breathing anatomy. So I think that when I look at those numbers, I think probably there's something protective or positive about weight training that's actually lowering the number of complaints down from the average individual. And, and my guess is, you know, when you train hard in the gym, you're Olympic, you know, weightlifter, uh, by the time you're ready to go to bed at night, you're probably ready to go to bed at night. Probably, you know, they have to eat right until they go to bed and start eating as soon as they wake up to keep their protein levels up or something. But it certainly seems like it might be protective. Um, the, the final study that I'll, I'll mention on this podcast, which was kind of an interesting one, was um, from 2023, so just this past year, Frontiers of Physiology. Um, Hit the gym or hit the hay. Can evening exercise characteristics predict compromised sleep in healthy adults? And the answer was yes. So they were all using whoop bands, I believe, in this study. It's been a while since I've read this one. And what they were looking for is, can you look at the timing of exercise, the way the exercise is performed, and the data collected on the exercise to predict when that exercise might hurt or compromise sleep. So we always talk about, hey, exercise first thing in the morning, don't exercise at night. If you exercise at night, it's going to hurt your sleep. And most of that has to do with core body temperature raising. So you get out there and you get really you know, fired up and exercise really hard at night. You you artificially raise your, your, your body temperature. And sleep is a time when body temperature should be dropping and, and, and getting ready to be cooled. And, and we talked about all this with our extreme temperature episode that we did not too long ago about, you know, could you actually, this was episode 71, can you cool your body in a cool tub, use a sauna before you go to bed at night to elevate or reduce your body temperature in a way to manipulate it to affect sleep positively. And, and the conclusion from that episode was, yes, that you probably could. Exercise could be that as well, too. So properly timed exercise, especially if it's changing core body temperature, could be effective of sleep. And what this study was showing was it was trying to predict, it was doing a pretty good job of it, of when that exercise might be impactful to sleep and when you could get away with it. So I think in the future, we're going to see a lot more of sleep tech's ability to be able to say, hey, if you eat this and you exercise by doing that, and it's all happening at this time, it's going to impact your sleep by negative 4.3%. You're better off not eating that or eating that earlier, exercising and doing that later in a way to make your sleep a little bit better. So I think the bottom line with this is 
if you're trying to figure out a new year's resolution, I think this would be a great one. I think finding a gym, signing up, going to the gym, being in the, the third of people that actually go and participate in the gym would be a great thing for you to do in terms of looking for an activity that's going to improve your overall health, but it's also going to improve your sleep as well too. So in this time of resolutions, I hope you find a good one for yourself. My resolution is to continue Sleep Unplugged strong into 2024 and keep growing the family that I've come to love, the listeners of this podcast. If you want to get in touch with me and talk to me about your New Year's resolution, your experience with the gym and sleep, your feelings about Jackie Wilson, whatever you want to talk about, it's Dr. Chris Winter Twitter. DR Chris Winter Instagram, DR Chris Winter TikTok, Threads, Blue Sky. We post all the videos of our content on YouTube. YouTube on YouTube. Where that came? YouTube <laughs> uh, on YouTube. My books are The Sleep Solution: Why Your Sleep's Broken, How to Fix It, as well as The Rested Child. Looking forward to a great 2024. Until the next episode, sleep well.